Hey, good morning, Central. How are you? It's good to see you this morning. Thank you so much for uh, having us here. Uh, um, so grateful for this church. You all are very kind to our ministry. It is an awesome thing that you partnered with us and that I could be invited this morning to be in the Word with you. Like, that is such a great honor to, to be in Pastor Steve's uh, pulpit this morning. And um, listen, I just want to let you know that grace abounds this morning. You probably already know grace abounds, but it really abounds this morning. Um, typically, I get a little offended when people fall asleep when I'm speaking. Um, but grace will abound this morning because, you know, I love this weather. It's great weather, but I am paying for it with my seasonal allergies. You know what I'm saying? And so like I've squirted everything up my nose and my eyes. I've swallowed all these pills to try to stay upright for you this morning. So I I might even doze off myself just a little bit. So, you know, you give me grace, I give you grace. Is that cool? And plus we all lost an hour of sleep. So misery loves company, right? So we're in this together. Some of you are looking like, oh, glory. Um, so if you would, turn in your Bibles this morning, Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. That's where we're going to camp out, and we are really going to camp out there. Uh, Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. You know, Jesus, he came with a mission. He came with a mission. And it was the ultimate mission. And every good mission, and this was the ultimate mission, every good mission, you know, as you uh, get ready for your mission, like there's mission prep, there's preparation for the mission. And even in this ultimate mission that he had, uh, there was preparation to be done. So that we're in Luke chapter 4, in Luke chapter 3, we get a sense of the preparation for Jesus because it talks about his baptism, which is his anointing. That's where the Spirit of the Lord came on him. That was his anointing. And, and so when I think in missional terms, I think like that was Jesus' commissioning. And then soon after his baptism, he was uh, taken by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness, right, for a time of testing and temptation. And so I tend to think of that like his boot camp for the mission. And then after his boot camp, He's in the region of Galilee, and he's going into all the synagogues, and he's teaching. He goes into his hometown of Nazareth, Nazareth, and when he walks in, uh, he's handed a scroll, and the scroll of Isaiah, and it's there that he reads his mission statement, his mission statement. Um, And it is Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2, but we know it this morning is Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, which here I'm going to read the mission statement of Christ. Verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. After he read this, he rolled up the scroll, he handed it to the attendant, and then he sat down. And it said in the scriptures that when he sat down, like all the eyes in the synagogue were on him. And then he made this very, very bold statement, and he said, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. What? 
Jesus just told them, he is the Messiah. He is the Messiah that they had been looking for all their lives, that their ancestors had been looking for all their lives. Like they had been waiting for this Messiah to come for hundreds and hundreds of years. And he's telling them, hey, I'm that guy. I'm the Messiah. I, I love scripture. <laughs> I love the Bible. When I read the word of God, my faith is filled. It is filled. It is so beautiful how the scripture, how the Lord weaves the scriptures together, the way he knits them together. It is beautiful. So here we are in this moment with Jesus, like, like he is fulfilling 700-year-old prophecy from Isaiah. mind-blowing and these folks they couldn't even process it they couldn't they were like isn't this joseph's son yeah it's joseph's son and he's the messiah he's the god man isn't that awesome you know if i go to your website right now i could probably find a mission statement for central baptist church and if you go to the website of the crisis pregnancy center you're going to find a mission statement there and because both of us, both groups love Jesus. Like, you're gonna find some similarities between our mission statement. But let me tell you this. This mission statement that Jesus just read is the mother of all mission statements. Like, this is it. This is so beautiful. So this morning, what I'd like to do is I just wanna meditate on Luke chapter four, verses 18 and 19. And we're gonna read it over and over again. And, and, and it's beautiful. So let's, let's read again a portion of it. Verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to, let's stop. Before we talk about what he is to do, let's just look at the fact that he was anointed to do it, that the spirit is on him to do that. His baptism was his anointing. His baptism was when the Spirit came upon him. And we understand this. It's clarified. It's confirmed when, when Peter talked about it in Acts chapter 10, verses 37 and 38. You can go back. Like, like, like the Lord's putting all this together. And he was anointed by the Holy Spirit. And listen, you share in this anointing. Those of you who are in Christ Jesus, you share in this anointing because you have the Spirit. You have the Spirit. And so this mission statement that we're meditating on this morning, this is your mission statement. This is it. Verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. (laughs) Jesus is to proclaim good news to the poor. We live in a world that is so broken and fallen and it's getting worse like day by day it's getting worse are are you following me do you agree do you sense it like this is so broken so fallen i mean we can't even begin to process day after day how much more wicked it gets how much more we turn away from our great God. 
Yet in all of that, I mean, we get all worked up because it is a mess. We get all worked up and we get all busy wanting to fix it. And just know this, the solution is still the same solution it's always been. Like the cure for everything, everything that ails us is the gospel. We can't forget that. It is the gospel. It's Jesus. He's always been the cure. He's it. Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power. That's the word, that, that Greek word there, like, like it's, it's the same word that we use for dynamite. It's the kaboom of God. The gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. Like this gospel, it is the cure for everything that ails us. But know this, God has entrusted his power to you. Like this thing, this beautiful thing that rests in your mind and in your heart and in your soul that's to be proclaimed from your lips is the very power, the kaboom of God. And yet, He's entrusted it to you. Jesus says here, he's to proclaim the good news to the poor. And then it just begs the question, like Jesus, who who are these poor people that you speak of? Well, Central, I just kind of offer this up to you. Let me let me tell you, like, like no one, we're no one. No one could afford this salvation. We're all broke. Outside of Christ, we're broke. No one can afford this. We're all poor. Outside of Christ, we are bankrupt. We are dirt, dirt, dirt poor. You got nothing. You've got nothing outside of Christ. We're all poor outside of Christ. But inside of Christ, we're so rich. And maybe that's why, like when I talk about the gospel, like maybe some of you in here, it doesn't stir your heart that much. And listen, right now I'm preaching to myself, okay? I come to you humbly. No judgment here. But when I'm talking about the gospel, like it doesn't stir your heart the way it the way it used to, like you lack zeal for the gospel, like you don't proclaim the gospel. And I wonder if it's just because we have forgotten how poor we used to be. Maybe that's why. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Freedom. For the prisoners, like when we were singing this morning, like so many of these songs, like we, I didn't coordinate with Randy, but like so many of these songs are about freedom. Like the, the Lord has freed us. He has come to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. We're free. And so I have a question for you this morning. And I don't want you to answer it out loud because that would be a little weird. But, um, but in your own heart and mind, when I ask this question, whatever the answer is that hits you, think about that. And I'm going to read it so I'll make sure I get it right. What is it 
What is it in your past or your present that has you in a prison of guilt and shame today? I'm going to ask it again. What is it in your past or your present that has you in a prison of guilt and shame today? What is that thing that comes to mind? What is it that, that thing that like you're burdened with? Let me share this passage with you. Romans 8, 1 and 2, very familiar verse. Paul says, therefore now... There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. There is no, zero, no condemnation in Christ Jesus. So for my brothers and sisters who are in Christ, and I ask you that question, like what is that guilt, that shame, that burden, like what is it that you've done or that you didn't do, that still brings you guilt and shame today. Whatever it was that came to mind, and I would imagine in a group this size, for somebody, something hit your heart and mind this morning. And so for you, I want to say, this is the the picture I want to paint for you with words. This is you. You are sitting in a jail cell, and the door is wide open. It's wide open. Get up, brush yourself off, and run to your king. He opened the door for you. Run to him and embrace him. He has rescued from you all these things. There is no condemnation for you. Zero. You are free. Free. And maybe, in a group this side, maybe that thing that you did or didn't do burdens you still because you really don't recognize Jesus for who he is. You don't get what he's done. And if that's you this morning, I wanna say this word to you very clearly. Hear me. Whatever it is that thing is that you did or didn't do, know this, that Jesus, the God man, he died so that you wouldn't have to because whatever this thing is that you did or didn't do he died so that you wouldn't have to so recognize him in this moment as your great rescuer and your king and run run after him and follow him all the rest of the days of your life Central on my right, isn't he worth following? Isn't he worth like everything? The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. There's a hymn that whether you're a believer or unbeliever, you know this hymn, Amazing Grace, right? Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. You ever wonder, like, what is it that you see? (laughs) Like, you were blind, and now you see, like, this amazing grace. Like, Jesus has opened your eyes. You were blind, and now you get to see. And, And I always wonder, like, well, what is it that you see now? Well, you see a lot of things when Jesus opens your eyes. You see so much. 
But there's one thing I guarantee you see if Jesus opens your eyes. When, you, when Jesus opens your eyes, those blind eyes, and you can see, what you see is you see him for who he is and what he's done. And it transforms you. It transforms you. My mother-in-law, she passed away a couple of years ago. And after she passed, my wife Karen and her sister Jan, they went to meet with the pastor to make arrangements for the memorial for mom. And after, at the end of that meeting, the pastor said, hey, your mom's old Bible study group, they're, they're still meeting, and they're here in the church right now meeting. Would you like to go and greet them? They would be so encouraged to, to see you. And, and, and they were like, absolutely, because they would be encouraged to see them. And so they went to the Bible study group, and they were. It was, a, it was a remarkable moment. And they went in it, though, anticipating that they were going to tell them all, these women would tell them all these great stories about mom, and they did. But the most encouraging story they took away was this one. These women shared with, a couple of these women in the group shared that they got to see the moment when my 78-year-old father-in-law came to Jesus. They got to see that moment. They got to witness that moment. He was sitting in a pew, and he was in the pew exactly in front of these women. And so they got to witness him see Jesus for who he is for the first time. And what they said, the dad said, was this. He kept repeating over and over again. He says, I see. I see. I get it. I see. That, that was his words. He kept saying it. I see. What an awesome thing that these women got to see this old blonde man see for the first time. Central, wouldn't you like to experience more moments of, of witnessing people, blind people, see Jesus for the first time? The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free. Look, I've got right here 45 plus 50 plus minutes of sermon that I'm squeezing into 30 minutes. So I don't have time. I don't have time to unpackage this the way I want to. But let me just say this. I want to make a statement. And I want to make it with the strongest amount of conviction that I could possibly tell you that I have. And I'll make this statement and I'm just going to let it rest right there. And it's this. That in this country, I cannot think of another group of people who are more oppressed than children on their way to an abortion facility. If you think about it, they are so oppressed, they're not even allowed to take their first breath of air. We won't even allow them to take their first breath of air and then they're slaughtered. I can't think of another group of people more oppressed. And so I say to you, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. It is not in step with the gospel to ignore the plight of these children. 
The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is a very interesting verse, verse 19. Jesus says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So many interesting things about it, but one of the most interesting things to me about it is what Jesus doesn't say here. Because I told you in the very beginning, like Jesus picked up the scroll of Isaiah, he's reading Isaiah 61, verses one and two. And so when he gets into verse two, he only reads half of the verse. He doesn't read the whole verse. He leaves something out. And so I've got verse two from Isaiah 61 for you, so I'll just read it here. Verse two says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. And so the question that begs to me is like, Jesus, why did you leave this off? Why would Jesus leave this off? You wanna know the answer? You want me to give you the answer? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know why he would leave it off. One day when you get a moment with him, ask him if you remember. I don't know if that will be on your priority list, but you can ask him because I just don't know. But there are scholars who speculate, and this is how they speculate, and they say that in this moment for Jesus, this is like, this is his first advent. This is his first arrival. And so it makes sense, like in this advent, it is about the Lord's favor. Like, like Jesus came and, and he's given us an opportunity to turn to him. That's his favor. That's the Lord's favor that we get the opportunity to turn towards him. And so and Jesus, you know, he was saying this. Mark chapter one, verse 15, he says, repent for the kingdom of God is near. Like he's, he's telling us to repent, to turn towards the Lord. Like we have this moment to do that and that is the Lord's favor. And so in the first advent, that's the mission. Like, like turn, like help people turn towards the Lord. But in the second advent, in the second advent, in the second arriving of Jesus, in the second coming of Jesus, it will be his wrath. It will be his wrath. And we get this, like, Paul, chapter uh, Romans chapter two, verses four and five, like Paul fleshes this out for us a bit. He says, do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. Our God is so kind. He is so kind and he's so patient. You ever wonder why like things got so messed up and they're so messed up? Like, why does he just go ahead and wipe it all out? He has that power. Why does he just wipe it all out? Because it's the year of his favor. He's so patient. And his patient leads to repentance. It's there to allow us to turn. We have this moment to turn to him. But there is verse five. And it starts with a a but. But because of your hard and penitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. God's wrath is real. 
Like, that's not a popular topic. Like, I can even feel it in the room a bit. You know, you start talking about God's wrath. I'm feeling it a little bit here. I feel the mood shake a little, mood shift a little bit in the room. But it's real. It's real. Jesus says to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It's a year. It's like, not a literal year, but it's, it's a period of time, and it comes to an end. And notice this, that it's a year of the Lord's favor and a day of his wrath. So his wrath is much swifter. But it's a year of the Lord's favor. So in this year, we have the chance to turn to him, but this year, this time will come to an end. And if we, if you don't make peace with the king, before the end of this period, then you will suffer his wrath when it does expire. Facts. Now I'll say this, I'm decades old as a believer now. Like I've been following Jesus for a while. And one observation that I make is people who are outside of Christ, they don't get or understand God's wrath. They don't. They don't understand it. But we do. We do. We get it. We get it. We don't like to talk about it. It makes us uncomfortable, but we know it. And so here's the question I have for you this morning. And I'm going to read it because I want to make sure I get it right. And I'm going to read it and like let it hit you. Like however, whatever the Lord brings to your mind and heart, like just deal with that. And I ask this question and I do it humbly because I'm asking it to myself as I'm asking it to you. So I'm going to just read this now. Central, I'm asking you. Are you proclaiming the gospel like someone who understands the day of God's wrath is coming for people. One more time. Are you proclaiming the gospel like someone who understands the day of God's wrath is coming for people? They don't get it, but you do. And I don't share this with you to to bring judgment on you. I don't share this with you to bring anxiety to you because God's not, anxiousness is not of God. Like I'm not trying to make you anxious, but what I'm trying to remind us of, like this is urgent. Like this mission that he has us on is so critical. Jesus did not leave us here so that, that we would just get spiritually fat and happy on Bible studies all the time. That is not why he left us here. He gave us a mission, and it is urgent. It is an urgent mission. It is a mission to proclaim the good news, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor that these folks can turn. They have this moment to turn to him, to turn to Jesus, and like Jesus, right? Like he's not only the way, he's the only way, right? He is truth in the purest sense. And not only is he the author of life, the author of all life, he is life itself. He is everything. He is so worth turning to. 
So this morning I come to you to challenge you to recommit yourselves to this mission and and, I, and I'm going to ask it again. Would you like to witness blind people who are outside of Christ see Jesus for the first time for who he is and what he's done and fall in love with him? Would you like to witness that more often? God's wrath is real. Would you like to be a part of turning a group of people towards Jesus? Do you want to be a part of that? When Steve's talking about central cares, like my heart leaps. My heart leaps. I do love this city. You have so many opportunities just in this church. God's given you so many opportunities. But right here in this church, like Pastor Steve will like help you, like help hold your hand through it. That's, that's what the church does. We gather together to help us work through this mission together. That We're not supposed to do it Lone Ranger. We're to do it together. It's a beautiful thing. But if you want the good stuff, if you want those moments where you witness blind people see and people who are objects of God's wrath turn from from that, turn to life, you gotta get off the pew. Crisis Pregnancy Center of Tidewater, I'm sure you know us as a ministry that's there to save lives and spare hearts from abortion while glorifying, proclaiming, and holding up high, making much of Jesus. That's our ministry. But know this, we love these families so much. We don't want just life for their children. We want life for the families. And so when they choose life, we want to keep walking it out with them. Even if they choose death, we still want to keep walking it out with them. But some choose life. And when they do, we have parenting classes called Great Expectations that we continue to work with them. And There are thousands of pregnancy centers across this nation. Know this, we're all independent. There's not one big CPC in Houston that we all answer to or get funds from by no means. And um, so we're all independent. And so in all these pregnancy centers, my peers, some of them, a lot of them do parenting classes. But our parenting classes are very unique. Here it is. We, We provide an instructor, but instead of depending on our volunteer network to help lead those classes, we challenge a local church to form a missions team of 10 people to come and help lead our classes. The number one goal for that missions team over the course of all these classes is to build relationships with these parents. That's the number one goal. So that when the classes are over, a genuine, authentic community has formed. And these families get immersed in the local body of Christ. Since we started doing this, um, we started four years ago, our, our, our completion, like the graduation rate of our classes are now like 95%. The participation with fathers in our classes went from 40% to over 75%. I, I know couples that swore they'd never get married who now know the value of marriage and have gotten married. I see real needs being met, housing, food, clothing, and I see people See Jesus for who he is for the first time and follow him. It is a beautiful thing. When we started doing this, I wanted my church to go first. I wanted to be on the first missions team. And so that's, that's, that's what I did. I was on the, the first missions team. And um, we, there's this genuine community that formed. And we're still, four years later, we're still like some of these folks have become 
family, like Nayeli. Like I watched Nayeli like fall in love with Jesus and start to follow him. And it was just so awesome to be there for her baptism. And it's so awesome to still be with this family because they're now my family. She's my sister. Her husband Marvin is my brother. This is their family, their beautiful family. Marvin's my brother. Like when Nayeli started falling in love with Jesus and came to Jesus, Marvin fell in love with Jesus. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. We have five campuses where we do these parenting classes. And our Portsmouth campus meets right here. Right here at Central Baptist Church. I just want to thank you so much for opening your doors and allowing us to have our parenting classes right here. It's been going on how long now? Has, has it? Years, yeah. So you've allowed us to do this. We were having classes here before we did the missional component. And so, but now we're doing the missional component. And so right now, Nansman River Baptist Church has formed a missions team. And we're training them. And in a couple of weeks, they're going to be right here in your church, loving and leading these families to Christ. And so what I want to challenge you to do, Central, is I want you to form a missions team of 10. And I want you to help lead the fall classes this year. That's my challenge to you. You help lead the fall classes this year. Um, If you have any interest in that at all, we're gonna do an informational meeting here at the church on April 11th. Write this down, April 11th at 1145 here at Central. That will be the informational meeting. You're not making a commitment by coming to that meeting or expressing interest. If you do have an interest, would you please do this for me? Would you go to this website, cpcfriends.org forward slash MGE, it stands for Mission Great Expectations. Would you go to the site and let us know that you're interested in this, you're not making any commitment? I'd like to close with a benediction, a prayer, that we would read together, and you'll never believe this, but it's inspired by Luke chapter four, verses 18 and 19. And so if you would, if you would read this, let's read this together, would you? The spirit of the Lord is on us because God has anointed us to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent us to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen.